This is Boom, the Southeastern Commerce Podcast, brought to you by the law firm of Adams and Reese. We talk with regional leaders in trade, economic development, government, and business as we explore what's new and what's shaking from Texas to Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Kane with Adams and Reese in New Orleans. Welcome to this episode of Boom, the Southeastern Commerce Podcast, where we talk trade, economic development, and business issues affecting the region. Today, we'll be talking about what the next few months may look like from a perspective of balancing getting back to work and public health. With us today are City and Chamber of Commerce representatives from Nashville, Jefferson Parish in the New Orleans, Greater New Orleans region, and Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to try to get a better sense of how we even start to think about getting back to a, what the new normal looks like and what that duration and path is going to be for us to get forward. Uh, with us today, we have Todd Murphy who is the president of the Jefferson Chamber of Commerce, Zach Kelly, who is a special assistant to the director of finance for Metro Government of Nashville and Davidson County, and Carl Blackstone, who is the president and CEO of Columbia Chamber of Commerce. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Um, and just to set the table, you know, as we're all experiencing quite a, a different experience in and of itself than anything we've ever dealt with, obviously, um, you are each in a position where your members and your business communities are eager to get information on how to plan and what to do next. Um, and we just got guidance out from the federal branch of government um, and the Trump administration. And we're going to talk about that and get an understanding of how we can utilize that on our local level and, and how you can play a part uh, and your members can play a part in the business community to try to articulate um, what their needs are and balance what is important in terms of the greater public health issues that we're all now dealing with. Um, we selected really these three markets for a reason. Uh, each of you are dealing with this experience in different levels. You know, it's been pretty well documented in the media that the greater New Orleans region has been a hot spot. And to that end, and as we sit here, we're closing in on 23,000 cases. The greater New Orleans area has near 12,000 cases when you combine the area of parishes that make up the 10 parish region of the greater New Orleans uh, metropolitan. Um, that's significant. You know, if you look at Jefferson Parish alone, it is nearing 6,000 cases, which is almost equivalent to the entire state of Tennessee, who is around 6,300 cases. Um, and as we go through the next few days, we'll hopefully continue to see a flattening and curve down. And South Carolina is nearing 4,000 cases. Um, so we each come at this from a different, each of you come at this from a different standpoint as it relates to the impact of the public health crisis, if you will. Um, but we're all dealing with the same issue because at any point in time, we're told by the medical experts and public health experts that um, if we don't practice the correct guidance that we're getting from CDC and from the federal government uh, that, you know, Nashville or Tennessee could turn into the next hot spot or, or Columbia, South Carolina, for that matter. So we're all in the same situation in terms of getting reopened in a meaningful way, but yet in a manner that best protects the public health from returning back to this, uh, this much more restrictive and very damaging from an economic standpoint, stay at home position that we all find ourselves in. So from a starting point, what I'd like to do is for each of you 
to give us just, a, you know, hey, state of the uh, situation on the ground where you're located so we can have a sense of uh, a starting point to talk about where we go from there. Uh, Carl, why don't we start from you and what's going on in Columbia? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, Columbia, uh, or the entire state of South Carolina, as you mentioned, has been fairly decent as it relates to the number of cases, uh, right around 4,000. The impact that we've seen, though, has been significant, both across the state, but in the Midlands especially, which Columbia, for those that are not familiar, is right in the middle of the state. We are a capital city, a college town with the University of South Carolina there. And so we've seen major disruptions throughout from a manufacturing standpoint through the service uh, lines and uh, industries throughout have seen a significant reduction closer to Charleston with the port. Obviously, supply chains have been disrupted as well. You know, we're a large government and uh, town with a large military presence. We've seen a significant drop-off of students leaving town as well as military personnel having to interrupt their, their time coming to Columbia. Uh, major disruptions. However, I think we're fortunate that we can get back to work fairly easily, and I know we'll get into this, but that's going to be the, the key part of this whole problem is shutting down was hard enough. How do we open back up in a fair and a prudent manner? So uh, I look forward to the conversation. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Zach, what's going on in, uh, in Nashville and Davidson County as we sit here now? Sure. Um, in Nashville, we have a somewhat of a unique situation, although there are other cities in the south certainly that are facing it. We had a uh, series of tornadoes come through really at the beginning of when you started to see cities, certainly in our area, uh, start to close operations down. So we're dealing with really two ends of that. We have supply chains locally that were affected uh, in their ability to provide uh, by that natural set of disasters. Uh, and then we have uh, also the revenue impact uh, that came from that. Uh, and then on the back end of that, we have COVID. So our uh, our small business community here uh, in particular uh, has gotten a, a double whammy, and we as a city have had to respond to that while moving all of our operations off campus and remote. Uh, at the moment, I think we're just over 1,200 cases have been detected here in Davidson uh, County. We're under a safer at home order until the 24th, although Mayor Cooper um, anticipates moving that to the 30th to be consistent with what Governor Lee has done statewide. Um, I certainly agree with what Carl says. Everybody is anxious to get back to work here. But the thing that we hear most consistently from our small business community and from our suppliers here uh, is just that the thing that they need is and that they're looking for from the government and from health experts is some clarity because the last thing that they want is to go back into a quote-unquote normal situation only to end up here again three months from now because so many of them have had to adapt to this new environment and uh it's, it's been a very scary situation for them uh, in a number of aspects. So I, I think clarity is the one thing that we keep hearing from our business community, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about more of that. Yeah, and, and Zach, that makes a lot of sense. And you, you guys, you know, March 4th, I think, was when you had the major tornado there in Nashville, and I understand you had some more across the state, uh, as well as South Carolina, who was hit recently um, last week with about 16 tornadoes and a number of deaths. And we're in that time of the year, too, where we're dealing with, unfortunately, some, some spring weather, although both of those instances were uh, historic in their own rights. 
Um, appreciate that perspective. Uh, Todd Murphy, you are in one of the epicenters, as Dr. Bricks has put it, and, um, and dealing with, uh, with a lot. And luckily right now we haven't had any weather events in the greater New Orleans area um, because this has been a bear in and of itself. Tell us what's going on in Jefferson Parish and what's going on with the chamber. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Chris. Um, so Jefferson Parish or County is the largest parish in the New Orleans region. We have about 435,000 residents here and, and roughly 18,000 businesses. Unfortunately, we have, uh, as of yesterday, 5,300 cases and sadly 261 deaths. However, I will tell you that we've not only flattened the curve, but the curve is headed down. So we have two more weeks. We're just urging everyone to be patient for two more weeks. And, and we think that at that point, we're going to make a move to get some businesses back open. We've had several discussions this week. And the, I guess the one really strong point that we have here in our parish is we have a great partnership between the business community and the elected officials and the medical community. And so we're having great conversations uh, with all three legs of the stool, if you will. And there's a lot of trust there of, you know, how do we do this how do we systematically reopen? We've had a lot of uh, storms. We're used to hurricanes and we're used to bringing industries back in sectors. And so we're having those conversations now of how do we do this that makes sense? Uh, certainly, we want, we want to get our restaurants back open. Right now, they're pickup or drive through only. We want to get our hospitality and tourism industry moving again. So how do you do that? And And so those are the things that we are working on as a business community, what makes sense. I mean, obviously... You can't have a large gathering right off the bat, but maybe we can have restaurants opening with social distancing and, and tables spread apart. Maybe the wait staff wears masks. And so those are some of the things that, that we're starting to look at now. But our, our business community, by and large, is getting very antsy. They're ready to turn the lights back on. Uh, we've, we've had three weeks of how do I get loans? Uh, how do I take care of my employees? How do I pay my rent? And I guess everyone's been dealing with those issues. But I think now we're starting to hear, hey, we need to get back to business. We need to get the economy back. And we're willing to work to do that. But at the same time, we want to make sure we've got a healthy community while we build that healthy economy. And so it's, it's really a balance to do, uh, to, to put all that together. But, you know, I, again, I, I, I just can't emphasize enough. Um, it, it's been great for us because we have this great partnership and and no one individual or one organization is, is calling the shots without that collaboration. Well, thanks, Todd. And you go back to mid-February, perhaps, we were hearing about the coronavirus. It was, you know, it was on the news and maybe in the paper. Um, but since then, we've all become our own quasi-experts in epidemiology and, and how these viruses spread and, 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 and how they attack, really, our society. And that's what happened here, and, and we're dealing with it. And you're right, there needs to be a path now that we have um, what appears to be, and let's, let's knock on wood in all of our regions, but as a nation, to have a, um, a hold on it. And, and um, at least from a standpoint of controlling the explosion of, of new cases. And that's what really, if you look at the guidelines that were set out as the gating criteria for helping states and local municipalities consider um, phasing in a reopening, it makes sense, right? You're looking at symptoms and what direction are you experiencing new symptoms and or a downward trajectory of uh, influenza-like 
illnesses and symptoms. And then the, the cases that we've had documented, and I thought Dr. Bricks uh, did a really good job of explaining how that curve works and the distance between really testing results and where we actually might be on the curve um, was a little, you know, of all of this might have been a little more um, of a glimmer of hope than otherwise seen with um, the, the, the continued devastating news in terms of, of the death count and, and understanding that really any single life is one too many, of course. Um, and then the third, which has really been, I think, a critical component that we in, in the United States seem to have um, been able to manage, and it was it was dicey and questionable at, at the time, but it's the hospital capacity and the ability to treat within this crisis and to be able to have the ability to um, maintain a healthy healthcare workforce, have available equipment, and there are challenges there, no doubt, depending, you know, where you are. But those are really, the, the, as has been built out, the, the criteria that, that's being looked at to determine when and how you can phase your path forward. And, you know, I'll start with you, Todd. You know, we here in, in the greater New Orleans area, having been hard hit, um, you know, we may be a little bit behind than Tennessee and, and South Carolina from a standpoint of getting really to the point where we have a 14-day true downward turn. But as you mentioned, we, we seem to be seeing that in Jefferson and Orleans parishes. Um, and so the question that I have is, to me, what's going to be really critical for an area like the greater New Orleans area or areas like we see in the Northeast is a regional approach. Because if you open up in Jefferson Parish, all of your barber shops at one time, but in St. Charles Parish, which is to your west, and Orleans Parish, which is to your east, is not open, um, where's everybody going to go? <laughs> everybody's going to go there to get a haircut, and it's going to be, you know, not coordinated. And uh, and so, what do you what are you hearing, and what are you seeing? Not just your relationship relative to your your parish president, but from a regional perspective, and what can we do to to make sure that's coordinated? Sure, I, I think that's really good points, and and obviously you've seen a recent photograph of me because I desperately need a haircut, and I would be first <laughs> in line for that. And, and actually, you know, I'm, we're hearing that a lot, um, just some of the, you know, things that men and women both just took for granted from health clubs to salons and barbershops. And so you're right, it, the, it, it needs to be a regional approach. And I do know that, um, you know, we are working on a plan here, but I'll also tell you that just earlier today, we had a call with all of the chambers in our region, our parish president is having calls on a regular basis with the parish presidents and other parishes. Uh, and, you know, it's our hope that we do have a regional plan put in place. I think, you know, uh, quite candidly, some of the um, the frustration I guess we have is that the city of New Orleans is really the driver of the economy. That's the driver of hospitality and, and tourism. And, and so to some extent, we've been a little beholden to what the city of New Orleans does or says because, it, you know, it's kind of the example you used is when we were closing things down, if if they made the decision to close all restaurants, well, then we had to close restaurants or we were just going to create bigger crowds um, and, and then, you know, and then potentially put stress on your police department because you've got overcrowded bars because there's none open in New Orleans. And so we've got to look at that. We've got to look at it on a regional approach. Uh, I think what you're going to see in, in our area, Jefferson Parish is the largest parish in the region, is going to try to lead that recovery working with City of New Orleans leaders and other parishes around the region certainly is a challenge, but it really has to be a regional approach. And, and at the same time, you know, we have a governor that is doing a really good job. 
and he's in tune with both the healthcare aspect, the number of cases, the hospital capacity. I mean, I, I have to give him kudos. He's really been on top of this whole situation. And so as much as a region is that we can cooperate with the governor, work with the governor, and yet understand, too, that there is a necessity to open up the private sector. And, and unfortunately, that sometimes gets lost in government. You know, sometimes our government elected leaders don't really understand the private sector. Um, and so I think that's where we as business leaders have to kind of tilt that pendulum a, a little bit so that we can open up our economy again. This is Zach. I was just going to jump in there and say, as a just, I can I can only speak from the the finance perspective and say that we um, certainly from the revenue side of things, uh, we appreciate what the the private sector brings to the table. Director Crumbo, our director of finance, gave an update earlier this week, and there are two things I would say. You have to look at this certainly from a regional perspective because so much of our workforce in Nashville comes from outside of Davidson County. Anything that we do here obviously affects what happens in the greater metropolitan area, um, and the converse of that is true uh, as well. You know, when we look at our revenue numbers for last quarter and for the next quarter, um, you know, Director Crumbo says you're looking at a two to three hundred million dollar revenue drop. So that could be by the end of our fiscal year, you're looking at a quarter of a two billion dollar budget gone. That money doesn't just appear out of thin air. Those are those are businesses that generate that revenue, and so you've got to at some point have a balanced conversation about what bringing back the economy and reopening the economy. Although I don't particularly love that that term, but you've got to have a balanced conversation about what that looks like. I think that in Nashville, Mayor Cooper has done a nice job of working with Governor Lee to strike that balance and to talk about what that looks like realistically uh, in terms of, you know, there is not going to be a normal that you we wake up one day and, and it's going to be gone, but that it does look like you know, social distancing. It does look like kind of what it looked like in the days leading up to everybody being locked in their home. Maybe there are fewer people at restaurants. Maybe it's just curbside. Maybe we have reduced capacity at at events. But I think everybody here anyway has recognized that there's got to be some flexibility in what we're doing now because this this is not a sustainable model in the long term. I also want to give a big props to the in, in terms of New Orleans too, and, and and here both being big hospitality industry towns. The hospitality industry, at least here, and I'm sure in New Orleans as well, have been, and really across the entire state of Tennessee, have been phenomenal partners for government and for everybody else throughout the tornadoes and everything else. When we had shelters set up, they were the ones providing food, oftentimes before government could get in there. When schools have been unable to provide lunches, you know, in Memphis, you see Kelly English and, and some of your top chefs there who are who are stepping in to fill that gap. And so these businesses are the ones who are often more adaptive than, than we are in government. And so certainly where we can enable them to get back to doing what they do best, we want to do that as quickly as possible. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that, Zach. And that's the lifeblood of New Orleans, candidly, and, and Orleans Parish specifically is so in tuned to, it's budget sensitive to, to the tourism dollars, particularly the sales tax related to tourism. And that budget concern is not only real, but it's already very visible. I think the last number we heard was about $150 million deficit and counting. So we're we're seeing that as a real issue, and, and I, I can't agree more in terms of balancing that opening up and, and trying to figure out what that looks like. Uh, Carl, 
from South Carolina's perspective, and, and, and perhaps maybe South Carolina is closest of the three, although you know, Nashville is, is in relatively good shape too, uh, but, but perhaps closest to really starting to uh, implement the phase one, if you will, of these three phases that's been outlined by the federal government. Um, what are you hearing and seeing, and, 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 and how does the return to work looking like in Columbia? Well, we've got a lot of questions. I think there are more questions than answers right now as we continue to meet and discuss reentry um, and trying to find the normal lifestyle again. You know, I think manufacturing is going to bounce back fairly easily in the pent-up demand that they have. They'll be clicking pretty quickly. But is it safe to have the same number of workforce where you have to stagger that in? Uh, those are questions that have got to be answered uh, by corporate folks as well as some guidance from uh, the health professionals. Um, when we look a little bit further into restaurants and retail I feel like those owners have to be a little bit more patient because there's a lot more concern. Does it mean what do you, what do your employees need as they come back to work? Are, are businesses going to be responsible for personal protection equipment to your employees? Are you going to have to, uh, if you're in the retail establishment, or anybody coming in the store need to have PPE? Um, mm-hmm. What does the supply chain look like for those pieces of equipment? If restaurants are opening up, do we need to, is there going to be a 25% capacity, 50% capacity? And some are going to say, hey, it's not worth it for me to open up if it's only 25% capacity. So there are a bunch of issues we've got to work through. But I think everybody's eager, overly eager, quite frankly. And I think one of the things that we have to keep telling our partners and and businesses around the Columbia region is, even though we're getting closer to opening up, we've got to do it in, in a staggered approach. We've got to be responsible in how we do it. And, again, that, that's just going to wear on folks' patience a little bit. But I think the approach of the White House is smart. Um, how we do it and the implementation mode that goes into effect with that, uh, we're all trying to figure that out as well. Yeah, and, you know, really the, the, the lifeblood of, of this entire process has been – all of the businesses and really the, the American citizens adhering to the guidelines and, and, and recommendations that have been put in front of us since the last now pretty much month and a half. Um, if you look at it from a standpoint of, of what they've required us to do and buy into the science, which, you know, I think we're getting as much information as we can, as quick as we can, it seems to be uh, working. They told us that, that they wanted to bend this curve, and it seems to be bending and now on its way down. If you follow this guidance through and take the hot spots out for a second, uh, so Zach and Carl, this may be you know more attuned to what you you may experience sooner than uh, what Todd's going to experience in in the Greater New Orleans region. The three phase concept appears to be basically three sets of fourteen day periods and times, and if if you make it through that period, then you come out on the other side and, and what is, you know, phase three, I guess, is kind of the, the temporary normal until we have a vaccine um, or until, you know, until we have a different, different data points on the medical front, right? I know we cannot possibly really predict what that looks like, but in your mind and, and talking to uh, your businesses and constituents, you know, how is that going to look for a tourism industry? the music industry in Nashville, and how does that look for kids coming back to Columbia 
uh, in the summertime, getting ready for uh, the fall semester. What, what are your thoughts and predictions? And Carl, you can start off. Yeah, I, I think uh, those are good questions and, and ones that I've been on the phone today, as a matter of fact, talking about. You know, the biggest concern we have is uh, the university and, and how they come back to school. Uh, the Board of Trustees have met this week, and they're going to make a decision by June 15th on the fall semester. But the issues they have are, you know, or at least the medical data has signaled that this may have, uh, COVID may have an issue with heat and humidity, which is great for New Orleans and Columbia and Nashville too, because the, the southern place, we don't have a problem with either one of those. But um, if it does come back, though, in the fall, Without some vaccine or some way to slow it down, what does that mean? So I think university, we have about 37,000 students in downtown Columbia. That's a big number for us, and a lot it drives a lot of the small businesses. More importantly, what does that mean for college football? And uh, that's a bigger <laughs> question and, and, and more divisive than anything. Um, the information that we're getting is slow, but it's good data now. We'll have a better projection probably in six weeks about what the fall looks like. Since we've never done this before in our lifetime, it really does set us up for setting some precedents. And, and actually, I think it, it, there are a couple people that mentioned how times of crisis bring people together and uh, figuring this stuff out. There's no right answer all the time. Uh, we clearly know there's wrong answers, but you know what's the best option at the time with the data that we're presented. And so data's king. Um, there's going to be a lot of classes taught on the reactions and uh, how different communities responded to this disaster and states as well. Um, so we're looking forward to the reentry. I do think, though, the phase-in approach and having a new norm by summer, it will be great. But the worst thing that we can do is fall into a level of complacency and have another bout of this in the fall I think that would be horrible, both for the psyche, but also for the economy. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Carl. And and to your football point, the only saving grace every time I hear about the potential of that they're not football in the fall is as an LSU Tiger fan, that just means we get an automatic extension of our defending national championship <laughs> status, which I don't want, which I don't want. Um, Zach, what, 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 what's your thoughts? I, I've given up on trying to do uh, any type of predicting beyond a, a week, uh, much less into the summer or fall. You know, I, I think that it would take somebody about five and a half seconds to figure out what politics of myself and most people in Nashville are. So that's not hard. But every, it, you know, one of the things that's come through this in Nashville is that we have a, a governor and a mayor who are from opposite ends of the spectrum and have worked extraordinarily well together. And the thing that I'm afraid we're going to see going into the summer and the fall is a polarization of this process and a, a, a politicization of how we need to move forward uh, or a, a politicization of looking back on what happened. And I think that that is one of the more dangerous things that we could that we could see going forward, because what we've got to do is we've got to look at this in a in a smart and a balanced manner, because if anything outside of that, and I think you're you're putting your economy, you're putting your your public health at risk. And at the end of the day, I think that, you know, I don't think that we can predict what's going to happen with, with college football. I'm a, I'm a Vol fan. So if we had a few years to regroup, it wouldn't hurt my feelings, um, <laughs> you know, just in general. Uh, 
But I think that one of the things we can predict uh, that is going to come out of this is that there is going to be a lot of conversation around what does new normal look like. And and one of the things we haven't touched on is, is what is that kind of safety net look like uh, for your small businesses? What does it look like for your hospitality workers, for your gig workers and your self-employed, these groups that at this point the government is kind of being asked to step in and, and, and rescue? And I think that and, – and for your your frontline workers and what is a frontline worker in this kind of economy? And those are the, those are the questions I think we're going to wrestle with over the, the summer and the fall. And I don't know what the end game of that is going to look like, but uh, – Beyond that, I couldn't make any prediction at all because I I have no idea what the next week is going to hold, much less a season from now. Well, you you raised two, I think, very critical points is that COVID-19 does not hold a a blue card or a red card. And I have been impressed candidly by putting all the typical posturing aside, um, which we we probably all agree we could live a little bit without, (laughs) Um, the coordination between a number of the folks in the federal level and, and our states, regardless of party affiliation, I think has been encouraging. Um, and, and it's something we're going to need. We're going into, obviously, a significant election year. And I agree with you, Zach. We, we need to, um, I think, as a business community, we need to make sure we, we hold folks accountable to not let the politics interfere with our ability to reenter into these various phases of our economy uh, because there's only so much that candidly we can do on the other side of the equation from a subsidy slash safety net perspective. Um, and so if we get it wrong, it's going to cost us more uh, in the long run. Uh, so I, I think that's well pointed. Um, Todd, you know, from your standpoint in the greater New Orleans area, we may be looking at uh, a longer window, but some say, you know, maybe because we got hit early and, and are coming down sooner that that window may not be, um, as long as some predict, if we keep a very good discipline and follow the guidance that's put before us, um, what are your thoughts? What, where we're going to be, and what is going to come out of this that will be positive for your members in, in terms of lessons learned from uh, being stuck working from home now the last five six weeks? Sure, sure. Well, I think uh, you know, I think it's certainly going to change the way that we do business and the way that we have fun. Uh, you know, let's let's face it. I agree with Zach, though. I I got out of the prediction business a long time ago, um, but you know, at the same time, I agree with what Carl said in, in that we we have to get it right. We have to phase it in properly because the last thing you want is to have a relapse, so to speak, in the fall. But I think that people understand just how dangerous this is. I mean, I I just got an update, and we're up to 269 deaths now. To put that in perspective, our parish. Or, or counting to most people, had 60, 60 automobile fatalities in 2019. So we had 60 car deaths in a whole year, and in four weeks we've had 269 deaths from this virus. I think people understand the severity of it and that we, we really need to take this in phases and, and take it slow. At the same time, I understand the anxiousness, but I think when the dust settles, so to speak, People are going to adapt to a new way of, of working. I mean, you may have more flex time. You may have more people working at home. Um, I hope that that doesn't hurt commercial real estate. But I think through this, we've, we've learned that we need to be able to work remotely and that in some cases, it's worked well. It's certainly been, it's certainly been different. But, um, but you know, it, it'll be, this will be something that I think we just have to phase in. And, and just like through the, 
the disaster we went through with Katrina and Rita and Gustav and other storms that have come through, we're always learning. I think the advantage we had of this was those storms. We had a lot of knowledge about banks and SBA and what to do and what not to do. And at the same time, 15 years after Katrina, we have much better technology where we're able to have video conferencing and, and audio conferencing and and even texting that we didn't have then. So uh, we've come a long way, and I, I, I think, uh, hopefully, as they say, it makes us stronger. Yeah, no, it, and that, to me, you, you know, we're looking at right now the most significant disruption in the marketplace in American economic history. Um, and when you think about it that way, you know, typically you have disruption by industry or by technology that is related to one industry, and this has disrupted the entire economy. And, and as a result of that, and, and this history will tell you that it, it, technology emerges and, and efficiency emerges, um, and there's some pain in that. And there's going to be, you know, a whole slew of services and, and products that are going to be no longer, they're going to be obsolete, um, but there's going to be new ones that come into play. And, you know, you see it, I've got right now, as we do this podcast, um, I have a nine-year-old daughter who is being taught through uh, technology by her school teacher with the very good help of my wife, of course. And that didn't exist six weeks ago in the minds of most of us, right? Uh, so this is going to be transformative in, in many, many, many ways. Um, well, guys, we're, we're, we're closing in on the end of our time. And one thing we do on the, the Boom podcast, and it would be particularly fun to do today, uh, because um, it's, it's something we probably have not been able to enjoy in the last few days, but I want to go around the, the last few weeks. I want to go around the horn, and if I was in Nashville or in Columbia or in New Orleans with you today, uh, what restaurant are we going to, what cocktail are we going to get there, and what we're going to eat? Uh, let's talk about something positive and, and give ourselves something to look forward to. Uh, Carl, I'll start with you. First place I'm going is Hall's Chop House. I'm going to, uh, they have a plethora of good drinks. I'll probably get the Hall's Manhattan to have a cocktail and then a Kansas City bone-in. Man, it's getting my mouth watering just thinking about that right now. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, Zach, where are you taking us? I can tell you where I'm going for lunch today, uh, which is Sir Rose Pepper, a uh, Mexican cantina in East Nashville, to have their uh, house margarita and their uh, white cheese buffalo dip. Nice. Uh, Todd, where are we going? Man, you, well, you, you, you know I'm a beer drinker, so <laughs> you, you always call me the, the cheap date. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll tell you, we we have 1,200 restaurants in, in this region, and uh, there's so many great choices. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going, but uh, Bold Crawfish is in season right now, and uh, we are certainly enjoying that here. Boiled crawfish, boiled shrimp, it's all on the platter uh, everywhere you go. So um, it'll, it'll be a, a great weekend. Sounds good. Well, look, guys, I appreciate your time. I know it's very, uh, a lot going on right now and you're to take your time out of the day to come talk to us, give us some ideas, experiences, what you're dealing with is really invaluable. Uh, and I appreciate it. So thanks again, Todd Murphy, Zach Kelly, and Carl Blackstone for being our guests on today's episode. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And if you like this episode, tell a friend, you can also find transcripts, links, and more on our website, adamsandreese.com. 